What, what, what's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. Like in Virginia, Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, but they've supported DNVR for a lifetime as DNVR members. They're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial experience. I don't know about you, but the whole process of loans, mortgage, the rates, all of it, it's super overwhelming. I've heard that the rates are good. Mike and Virginia can confirm that though. They're absolutely incredible. They can save you hundreds of dollars a month, potentially thousands of dollars in interest over the life of the loan. You know, who wouldn't want to save thousands of dollars? That is an absolute no-brainer. They can help you find out if you're able to reduce. These guys, they can help you find out if you're able to reduce, maybe even eliminate your current mortgage insurance premiums. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, though, you'll get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. And, you know, look, refinancing, it's not right for everyone. So Mike and Virginia, they'll run a quick analysis and they'll honestly let you know whether refinancing might be right for you. Call Mike directly at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Or visit dnvrmortgage.com to get set up with a free consultation and be eligible to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Pew, pew, pew. All right, let's move on here. We are, uh, we're going to do some things a little bit differently on today's episode. For, uh, for those of you that did not watch, I am going to play the audio that I recorded with Cody Tucker of 7220 Sports. Uh, we did a stream on Facebook on Tuesday night, kind of tried to avoid some of that election coverage a little bit. You know, you can follow it. At the end of the day, though, all you can do is kind of wait it out. So we just figured, yeah, hey, let's let's talk a little bit of border war. Let's have some fun. He was gracious enough to let me take that audio from his site and repost it over at DNVR. So I'm very grateful to him for doing that. Saves me a lot of time. I don't have to make these same talking points all over again. And at the end of the day, you know, I think uh, I think Cody and I are both under the lines of the thinking that, you know, we just want to get our content out there and talk about this great rivalry as much as we possibly can because you know you just you you aren't going to get the same type of border war coverage from uh, a mainstream site you know based out of Denver or whatever they've just got other things going on and and that's fine but at the end of the day you know this is for the diehards and so we're trying to provide the diehards with the type of content that a diehard would want so thank you to Cody Tucker had a blast chatting with him like I said we are going to play about 20 minutes um, his special was well over an hour long. He had multiple guests. So I, I highly recommend you go check that entire thing out. Um, you, you can see it in the video form, which some people prefer that, but I just figured might as well get that discussion on here. Uh, before we jump into that, I am going to very, very briefly talk just a little bit of CSU hoops news. Uh, a couple of things. First off, John Rothstein dropping bombs on the Mountain West. He put on Tuesday that some Mountain West coaches, athletic directors have been talking and exploring the possibility of potentially doing pod sites for the conference season. You know, I'll be honest, I don't I don't hate the idea. It would be weird, uh, especially if, you know, it's a situation where 
you know, you do pods and then you don't get any home games out of it, that could be kind of a bummer. But I will say in terms of, you know, logistics and and getting this season off with that playing as many games possible and, you know, not having to lose a bunch to COVID, pods could potentially be the way to go. Based on what, you know, I've kind of been told behind the scenes, Nico Medved does not hate the idea of doing the pod system. So it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what happens with all of that. I don't foresee a situation where CSU is going to have fans at any point in Moby Arena this season. So I don't I don't think, you know, doing a pod system would be that detrimental to their experience. Anyways, you're probably go probably going to be watching, you know, from your couch regardless. At the end of the day, this just could potentially, you know, be a way to to get the season off with less hiccups. Uh, I don't know though. It's it's going to be probably a struggle no matter what happens. Uh, but that's not the only news we have on the CSU hoops front. The the Rams have agreed to a home and home with St. Mary's. That is the program based out of California. Um, a really, really nice pull for, for CSU. They played St. Mary's a couple of times over the last decade. But as John Rothstein tweeted, and I later confirmed, the Rams have agreed to travel uh, there on December 19th this year. The Gales will then play a return game at Moby Arena next season. Really, really nice. Uh, this is something that's kind of been in the works for a couple of weeks now. Big ups to Aaron Katsuma working hard behind the scenes for CSU men's basketball. A uh, big part of, you know, kind of what helps make this scheduling work. You know, obviously, Medved, Joe Parker, everybody, they're going to have their fingerprints on that as well. But, you know, it's the guys behind the scenes that are that are doing the grind work that that end up getting these games scheduled and and Aaron Katsuma is definitely one of the business one of the best in the business I should say rising star amongst the college basketball ranks. Uh look, you know it's it's a really tough situation right now to try and fill games, especially non-conference. You you don't really want to have to do a ton of travel, you know, if you don't have to, but the the tough position that CSU is in is, you know, you have Air Force and Wyoming, two of the programs that are closest are both in your conference, so you're already going to play those teams twice. That really hurts you in a situation right now where you're trying to schedule, you know, some local programs. You know, I, I imagine C- CSU is going to have DU on the schedule. You know, they they are going to play CU Greeley. I w- I would guess we'll have to see. Maybe you call Utah Valley. They played them a couple of times. But uh, yeah, it's it's not been an easy process for CSU to try and fill this schedule. They've they've definitely had to get creative. They've it's just been an uphill battle. I, I imagine we will get that full schedule released here pretty soon. CSU has one more open spot that they are trying to fill currently. And then, you know, once they get that filled, we should get that announcement. Uh, like I said, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do there. I, I don't think there's going to be like any major Power 5 trips this season. Uh, you never know. I w- you know, it's not that Nico Medved is, is scared of it or anything like that. I just think it's kind of a weird time to do scheduling, but we shall see. Uh, the, the last thing I want to talk about for CSU Hoops before we move into football, the border war, and that interview with Cody Tucker of 7220 Sports is uh, is just the Ken Palm rankings, which were released late Tuesday night. <laughs> Ultimate troll, bo- troll job by Ken Pomeroy. Uh, releasing those on the night of the election. Thank you, though. Thank you for giving us that distraction. I don't know about all of you, but I I needed it. Uh, CSU starts the season at number 117, so basically, you know, considered to be one of the top third teams in the country. 
They started at 159 last season, climbed all the way up to 99. Thank you to Steve Ivey for pointing that out on Twitter. Great CSU Hoops fan, a great basketball blogger. Definitely check out what he does if you are if you are not familiar with Steve. And, and just a great Rams fan, great dude. But uh, yeah, basically, you know, what this says to me is is the Mountain West is is expected to be pretty freaking good. They got four teams in the top 120 for Ken Palm, uh, two in the top 70 with San Diego State and Utah State. This should be a really fun league this year, and I'm I'm pretty excited to see how it all plays out. I do think, you know, Utah State and San Diego State probably, you know, clear cut above the rest of the competition, at least going in on paper. They just have so much experience, so much talent, but there are some really good teams. UNLV and, and CSU in particular, two programs that are on the rise. I think Boise State should be really good. They've got a couple of Arizona transfers that are going to be eligible this year. It's going to be fun. You know, I'm I'm really looking forward to college basketball returning. And it's kind of crazy that we don't really know, you know, what that whole schedule is going to look like. But as I just talked about, we should find find that out pretty quickly here. So uh, big expectations in Moby, Nico Medved, turning things around. We will be talking about that in great detail over the next month or so. So really excited to jump into more Hoops content very, very soon. But uh, yeah, let's let's get right into that audio with Cody Tucker. Big, th- big thanks to him for allowing me to play that on the podcast. Before we do, though, got to hear from our partners over at DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> The season is in full swing and the action is still unfolding, so head over to DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so many storylines across both professional and collegiate sports, this is the time to check out all that DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. If you haven't tried the app yet, head to the App Store now because you do not want to miss this. To celebrate Sunday's action, DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100. That's right. If you bet... You can do it risk-free Sunday up to $100. This weekend, Denver is taking on Atlanta in a cash, in a clash, I should say, of two high-flying offense. So get in on all of the action now. That's not the only thing DraftKings is offering, though. DraftKings has odds boosts every single Sunday to help you make it rain. Plus, you know they're safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code RAINBOW when you sign up and get this can't-miss offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bet of up to $100. That's right, you bet they cover up to $100 when you use the promo code RAINBOW during sign-up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Justin, how we doing, my friend? What's happening, dude? Oh, you know, just getting excited for a border war. Stoked that we're actually going to have one. That was was one of the things I was most disappointed about when the Mountain West initially, you know, announced that they were going to postpone. It was just one of those where, you know, we played every single year since the 40s. We don't want to lose this streak now. Oh, ain't that the truth, man? That is the truth. And and like you guys, I know CSU had a 
a bunch of Power 5 games at the beginning of the year that I know you guys were excited about. Wyoming had a home date with Utah. Uh, Lord knows the Cowboys got something for them. So uh, really bummed out that those didn't work out. But, hey, beggars can't be choosers. We're playing number 112 in Fort Collins on Thursday night. Uh, this game never gets old, does it, Justin? No, it's just it's, it's truly one of the great college football rivalries. I know, you know, nationally it's not going to get the same love that the border or that you know the iron bowl and you know some of those you know maybe ohio state michigan stuff like that but especially out west there are very few rivalries that even compared to you know maybe kansas missouri if you want to go there but kansas has been awful at football for the <laughs> better part of the last 50 years so i mean who really cares and and i, I just think this is one of the more underrated rival rivalries one of the more underappreciated rivalries even locally with some of the markets like Denver. I agree. Uh, the one thing though, Justin, and I'm sure you probably agree with this too. The problem I think with this border war, this version of the border war is that not enough times has everything been on the line for these two teams. A lot of times it's just been, Hey, we hate each other. Let's go at it. It hasn't been, Hey, we're playing for a conference title uh, like 1996, for instance, down in Fort Collins. The winner of that one goes to the inaugural WAC championship. Of course, the Cowboys drive at 94 yards and, and score there at the end to win at U Stadium to play BYU in that WAC title game. But it just doesn't have enough, you know, and then you and I got to sit back and watch BYU and Utah always battle for, for something, and that was always hard to deal with. How important is that going to be for the future with Steve Adazio just starting out, Craig Bowles already got his thing built, to make this game – preferably an end of the year game for one and preferably yeah. have everything on the line at the end of the year. That's, that's a great point. Mike Bobo, I think actually even said that at the end of, of last season, he, he brought up the border war and was kind of like, why, why is this a game that's not played, you know, on rivalry week? It's, it's one of the great rivalry games, put it up there when all the other great rivalry games are being played. Um, so I would love that. And, and I just want to see it get back to a point where, you know, both teams are competitive. Both teams are relevant for CSU. You know, it, it's been a it's been a long time. They they did have some success against Wyoming. You know, under Jim McElwain, he went two and one. I know the Pokes were kind of down. That was before Craig Bull arrived. So, you know, I'm not really using that as an opportunity to throw stones or anything. But I think both fan bases can just agree with the fact that they want it to be. You know, like it was during the BVP years for CSU. You know, where both teams are winning nine, ten games every single year and the outcome of this game might determine who's going to represent the Mountain West and on a national level in a big time bowl game. These these are programs that they have the resources, they have the facilities. They just got to put it together. Yeah, and I think another thing that they need to consistently start doing is beating Boise State, right? I mean, until totally. they start doing that, uh, you know, it, it, Boise State's going to run the Mountain West until that point. Um, but I'm, I'm interested. You've been around this rivalry a long time. You said your father went to CSU. Uh, I know you went to CSU. Um, who are names that come to mind when you think of the border war? Some some names like I would think of Austin Carter Samuels and and Josh Allen and Brett Smith and, and Malcolm Floyd and guys like that. Who are some names that come to mind for you when it comes to this rivalry on the CSU side? Uh, it, it immediately, you know, I, I go to guys like David Anderson, who just always seem to ball out in the biggest moments for CSU. He's, you know, kind of just the perfect example of a star player in these programs, a guy who, you know, nationally people probably didn't even know who he was, but he's a guy who went for, you know, 100 plus catches every year. He's just one of those guys where it seems like every single time they went up against 
Wyoming or Air Force, he was just going to go for 12 catches, 150 yards and a couple of touchdowns. And I just, I miss those gamer type guys, those guys that showed up no matter what, when the game was on the line. And, and that's really what CSU has been missing. You know, there, there've been some performances, you know, I go back to the, the 2015 game up in Laramie, CSU was pretty dominant defensively. They ran the ball pretty well, but it, it you know, it wasn't a truly memorable game where everyone's going to be like, Oh, you know, you remember when DA went off for 140? We've just we've kind of been missing that for a while. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll answer part of that for you. I, I think of Kevin McDougal, who is uh so hateable. <laughs> <laughs> and David Anderson, a guy who is incredibly hateable. Uh, you brought that one up. I haven't even thought about that guy in a long time. But uh no, they great players. Uh Sonny Lubick just uh year after year brought in the the Joey Porters and Clark Hagans and and guys like that, uh, Greg Myers, just uh, Nate Kwame, uh, CSU had a bunch of them. Uh, Cecil Sapp. There's so many He's dudes. In the Man, he was good too, and that was a that was not an ideal time for Wyoming. But uh, let's talk about Week One. Uh, Colorado State, obviously a tough one at Fresno State. Uh, what were your thoughts when you saw Tan, uh, Todd Centeno uh, come out on the field, Justin? You know, I I was surprised that Patrick O'Brien didn't get the start just given, you know, he was picked second team preseason all conference played pretty well. Most of last season. I mean, there, there were definitely some things he needed to improve upon from a decision-making standpoint, a little bit inaccurate with his mid-range throws at times, but you know, more or less a competent quarterback. And, you know, it was just, it was kind of interesting to throw Santeo in the mix when you're missing two of your starting four wide receivers, you're not really setting him up for success because he just he didn't really have any weapons around him. So, you know, I always thought that they were that they were going to play both quarterbacks. I was very surprised that O'Brien didn't he didn't even get into the game until the fourth quarter. You know, they're down 28 at that point. It was essentially garbage time. I was I was kind of laughing to be honest. I was like, he had to be pissed off when they put him in at that point. Like, oh, you know, thanks for the rest now, but sure, it's, yeah. it's going to be interesting. I do think it'll be O'Brien this week. I'd. You know, I'd, I'd be shocked, honestly, if, if it's not him. Everything that I've heard from inside the program, it will be him. I do think there there could be a situation where they try to design a series or two for Santeo just to get his legs in the in the game. Did rush for 86 yards last week, but, you know, it, it didn't take a, an NFL scout to watch that game and see that, you know, CSU, they were just way too one-dimensional. Sure. So after a game like that, you, you call your dad to bitch about the game. What do you say? What do, I mean, what what is the cliff note versions of uh, of what you would say about that game? It, just here we go again. You know, it, it, it felt like CSU has just been in this loop for five consecutive years where it's this cycle of the fans psych themselves up. They start to believe, you know, like I've said, the, the facilities, the foundation of the program, the recruiting, that's all been there. So, everybody, you know, logically, you can talk yourself into, all right, you know, things could turn the corner here if, if we execute. And, and then, you know, CSU just, they kind of deflate time and time again, and they let the Ram fans down when it matters most. And it was one of those where it's just like, it'd been 10 months. You had an opportunity to excite the fan base. Game number one under Adazio, you're playing on national television, not a lot of other games going on. Yeah. And, you know, you that's the performance you give, man. Like, I, I know we got to be fair. Training camp was all kinds of wonky. You sure. know, they they missed a bunch of time with COVID. I mean, they had they only got like four or five practices with their entire starting offensive line. So honestly, in that regard, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have been surprised, but 
it, it was just tough to stomach, I think, for CSU fans who are so desperately just looking for something to be excited about again. Sure, and I, I totally agree with you, Justin, that the COVID thing up here especially has been overlooked as far as how that affected Wyoming at Nevada. Um, it's easy yeah. to take the Sean Chambers injury and say your starting quarterback goes down on play number three. Uh, it shocked the, you know, it shocked the Wyoming bench, which it absolutely did, no question about it. But, you know, you also got to think about all the guys who missed, all the starters who were playing on special teams because all the freshmen have been staring at their dorm room wall for 14 days. Uh, and not learning the system and not being with their new teammates and stuff like that. So I think that's a really underrated part of it. So I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, you, uh, CSU, uh, once again, has plenty of weapons. Uh, Dante Wright, of course, didn't play at Fresno State. He's going to be back this week. Uh, I'm just overly impressed with Trey McBride, the, the big tight end, 6'4", 260, a uh, kid out of Fort Morgan, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Justin, but when I look at Trey McBride and his brother Toby, I think those are the kind of teams that Sonny Lubick built around, those kind of guys. He had about 40 of those per team when he was the head coach, and it seems to an outsider's perspective that maybe they got away with that, picking up too many Georgia kids, Florida kids, finesse kids, instead of those big, tough country guys like a, like a Trey and Toby McBride. It's, it, that's, you know, been the great debate amongst CSU fans over the last, you know, five to six years. Obviously, I think everybody was stoked when you go out and you go into SEC territory and, and you, you know, you poach some of these guys away from Georgia that have offers. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I do think there is something to the fact that some of these guys that grow up locally, that live and breathe, that absolutely embrace the opportunity of going to Colorado State. Whereas, you know, some of these guys in the SEC, it's more like, well, I'll go there because I'm going to get playing time, but it's not truly where they want to be, in my opinion. You know, if, if you can get talented players at the end of the day, you got to get talented players. And a lot of those guys worked out, you know, the Michael Gallops of the world. He's sure. a guy who probably never would have ended up in Fort Collins in a Sonny Lubick type regime. But at the end of the day, you know, I think I think they would throw all the recruiting hype. They'd throw all of that wide receiver you out the window if it meant CSU was winning nine to 10 games every year, you know, kind of like what Craig Bull is doing at Wyoming right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's not always finesse. A lot of times you get those sunny guys on the line of scrimmage for one, yeah. which Sonny was so great at, including uh, our guest who we're going to talk to later. Uh, that Sonny Lubick team in 2003 had three Wyoming natives on it, uh, which is just gross still to this day, but that shows you where the programs, you know, in a lot of ways were. So um, tough, tough guys who want to prove themselves. Uh, but uh, moving on from Fresno State, obviously, uh, do you think it's a good thing that uh, it's border war week next for the CSU team? Do you think it kind of refocuses them a little bit? Or do you think, oh, God, you know, because what are they, 0-12 uh, against rivals in their last 12? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, you know, it's at 2016, I think, or no, 2015, you know, it's the last time they beat a rival. so. It's been a long, long time coming. I guess we'll see, you know, to be honest. I guess if if you can't get up for this game, you're not going to be able to get up for any game, in my opinion. So, you know, I don't think energy or any of that is going to be an issue. I will say it would be nice to maybe have this game be a couple weeks down the line just because CSU has been trying to figure things out in camp. But at the end of the day, it's a shortened season. You only have eight games on the schedule if you play them all. CSU lost one. They only have seven. 
you know, you don't really have that much time to be like, oh, you know, I wish it was UNLV this week. At right. the end of the day, like, you've got to get it together and you've got to get it together now because you don't have those non-conference games to beat the crap out of somebody and figure it out. Yeah, good point. Um, you know as well as I do, and I love that you embrace this, and you're you're kind of not the prototypical journalism stuff kind of like we do over here. Uh, you like fan interaction. You like uh, getting the fans' point of view on things. You like getting them involved with things like we do. Uh, because of that aspect, though, how terrible is it that there's not going to be any fans in Canvas Stadium this Thursday night? It, it sucks. You know, any, anybody that's ever experienced a border war knows just what this game can be when it's at its at its peak, even, even, you know, the last couple of years where some of these teams were pretty good, not phenomenal, like 2017 up in Laramie, you know, mm -hmm. both those teams pretty good. I wouldn't say either of them were great, but it was a phenomenal atmosphere. You know, the snow comes down, Josh Allen, you know, leads the team to victory in the second half. Sucks for CSU fans, but it was a great game. I enjoyed the moment. Now, you know, you, you still have so much hatred between these teams. I, I don't think it, you're, it'll be like a dead game or anything like that, but you know, if, if somebody breaks off a big run and you don't have the eruption from the crowd or a massive hit or even just the marching bands at halftime going across the field, the, the pageantry of it all, you know, that's, that's what makes college football special is the fans. And that's why I don't understand why so many, you know, college football writers try and make it seem like, you know, I, I don't enjoy college football or whatever. Like I wouldn't be, I'm only here because it's my job. All right, well, go work in something else then because college football is amazing. And then that's what people want. A freaking men, Justin. Uh, we may or may not have uh, some cats like that up here. So it drives <laughs> me nuts, too. I don't get it. Uh, I know, like you, we both celebrated the fact that we had a, we had a season. It didn't matter uh, if it was four games, seven games, 12 games. Uh, just football. Just so thankful to be playing this. Uh, so, I mean, really, just not having fans in the stands is one of those things that, oh, well, <laughs> you know, we're playing yeah, ball. I mean, it's a bummer, but, but at least we got the game. Yeah, exactly. So another assessment I kind of had of CSU over the last few years, watching is just, you know, as a fan, when I was out covering other teams around the country, um, not a lot of personal fouls, not a lot of chippiness in this game out of CSU, which, you know, you don't want those, but you kind of do, right? I mean, it looked like the fights, it seems like the fight's not there sometimes. You know, it, it's it's such a fine balance because, you can go the other way and lose a game very quickly too. If you start playing undisciplined. Sure. But you got to bring some edge to this game. And, and you can see the way that Wyoming plays anyways, they bully people. They're a physical team. They're not the fastest team in the mountain West, but they're tougher than you. And they're going to hit you in the mouth repeatedly. Sometimes, you know, maybe a little bit after the whistle. And a lot of times you're going to get away with that. If you do it consistently enough, the, the thing is, is, you know, CSU, they just have to prove that they're not going to get punked anymore. And I feel like there were so many instances in the Bobo era where, you know, CSU would come out and they'd get the typical Bobo drive to start the game, which is always scripted and phenomenal and, you know, 12 plays, 80 yards. And then Wyoming would adjust and they'd get physical. And you just see CSU kind of like Tucker in the corner, you know, like they just, they, they didn't seem to be up for it when things really got ugly, when it really got nasty. And I want to see that out of a CSU team. You know, I want to, I want to see somebody, you know, maybe push somebody a little bit after the whistle or, you know, don't do anything dumb. Don't, don't do it reckless. Don't play dirty. I'm not saying right, that. Right. But play like this game actually matters to you. And that's the thing. It seems like, you know, and you can jump in anytime, correct me if I'm wrong, but 
it, it seemed like, especially in the last four years, that this Wyoming team has just wanted it more. And yeah. it, it's not manufactured hatred, but you see Steve Adazio come in and he won't even say the name Wyoming Cowboys. And to me, that seems like something maybe he talked about in his interview, <laughs> you know, that this means a lot to us, we promise. But you can't manufacture it, can you, Justin? You have to have pure psychotic hatred. You can't manufacture that. You can't. And that's been a tough part, I think, even with, with younger CSU fans in general, because, you know, I think if you if you talk to any CSU fan that's 40, 45 plus, the team they hate more than anyone is Wyoming. They don't they don't give a damn about the University of Colorado or the Rocky Mountain. Yeah, if you beat CU, that's some sugar on the top. That's sweet. It's all about Wyoming. Whereas, you know, I'm 25 years old. People that are my age, they tend to draw to that in-state rivalry. And I get it. You know, it's it's been built up as this big game, but it just it doesn't have the history there. And I think that this game could be if both teams were really relevant a game that on an annual basis just, you know, excites everybody, draws everybody in again. I don't know. I just, I want CSU fans to value this rivalry, honestly, the way Wyoming fans value it. Sure. And, uh, and CU is not in their conference. I mean, no, and exactly. I mean, that's a big game that counts more. Sure. Absolutely. Um, well, you've seen the Cowboys play twice this year. I assume you got to watch both games. Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on Wyoming? Uh, I think I can answer for you and say, uh, same old, same old. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are very few players that I enjoy watching as much as I enjoy watching Valade run the football. Um, I just, he's so versatile, his vision, the way he uses his downfield blocking, he's way more physical than you would ever guess just based on looking at his, you know, listings or whatever. But I, more than anything, I've just been impressed with the resolve of this Wyoming team, the way that they were able to respond, uh, force that week one game into overtime, especially, you know, camp was weird. We talked about that with the COVID, but the emotion of losing your starting quarterback, then Nevada immediately goes up multiple scores. It looks like they're going to kind of run away with it. But, you know, that's what Craig Bull teams do. They're well coached. They're well disciplined. They don't give up. They always come back and, and they fought back into it. And then to just dominate Hawaii the way that they did, especially that Hawaii offense, which, you know, I, I don't think it's a great offense, but it's definitely not anything to scoff at. Cordero can move big athletic dude, big arm. They've got talent at the wide receiver position. Defensively, I've been very impressed, especially given that, you know, there were some potential concerns about maybe the defense going down a little bit with the opt-outs, but man, they have looked awesome. It'll be fine though. We'll just go on the second beat, you know? That's how you make music. I only seem to write when the words, they don't come to me I'm staring at this page and I swear it stares back at me Read between the lines, see the blank and all the happenings It's been 35 and I ain't even wrote like half a thing Rhymes that make sense but more lines that didn't I was walking with my headphones, heavy bumping pivot Simplistic white pages, they dreaming we were famous They say they like the cadence, mark the summers like cicadas And features, those ain't favors, my mood rings an alligator Spit like Vader with the saber, steady kicking it like Praetor Staring at white pages it's habitual behavior, check the flavor, that's some sage advice But confidence a great disguise, and certain lines are idolized Like yeah I'm fine and I don't mind, it's out of sight, it's out of mind And I've been dwelling on my past just to see what I can find Lost and found memories of places I designed And my imagination's different now, but I swear